A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collider Ladies Night. And I have to say, welcome back to this wonderful guest, Victoria Pedretti. I think this makes you our third returning guest on Ladies Night now. And again and again, I hope. You're <laughs> great. So I got to introduce you to the newest edition of Ladies Night, which is the Dice Tower behind me. I've got eight questions. Mm-hmm. I roll the dice three times. And whatever three questions we land on, that's where we start, at least. Okay, cool. All right, here we go. First roll. You got a seven. Number seven, I'm glad we landed on this, is called collections. So last time we spoke, you told me you like to collect things. So what is the most recent thing that you collected that would make someone else say like, what is that? Why do you have that? But it means something special to you. I said I like to collect things. I think you said you called yourself a hoarder and then corrected yourself. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. (laughs) Wait, what is it? Um that I've been hoarding. Hmm. I don't know. It's usually just, it's not something new. It's not like connect. I'm just a hoarder. Like I just like hold on to shit. I shouldn't be holding on to. I just like, 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 like the, 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 um, like pamphlets of information from like a rafting trip or something like that. Like I hold on to that. Cause I was like, I need to remember. <laughs> I have like boxes with like journals and yeah. I don't know if I told you this last time, but I recently just threw out like about 20 pounds worth of bar and bat mitzvah invitations from when I was 13. So <laughs> the invitations? <laughs> that, I don't know why I kept them, but that had to stop. You were like, this was an epic party. Never forget it. <laughs> At 13. All right. Next roll here. We got an eight this time. Oh, yay. Halloween. Any mm-hmm. plans for Halloween? I'd like to dress up. I mean, I get to play dress up as a job. But that doesn't change the fact that I'm always looking for more opportunities. I love costumes and yeah, that's, that's the main thing. I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing beyond that, but I'd like to have some fun and definitely celebrate. Do you have your eye on any particular costume this year? No, no. Do you have any suggestions? (laughs) I'm currently obsessed with the movie Malignant. Have you seen that yet? No, I only saw the trailer. 
watch that movie. And when you hit the beginning of the third act, you'll know what I think your costume should be. Okay. Okay, cool. We'll see if I gain the courage to watch it. <laughs> it's a big swing. It's a big swing. All right. One more. All right. We're going with a one. One is more TV, please. If you could guest star on the TV show of your choice, what show would you pick and why? Hmm. I really enjoy reservation dogs right now. If I was just like a gas station attendant who didn't speak, that'd be cool. You know, like I don't, I, I just like the show. So it'd just be, uh, it'd be amazing to be a part of it in any small way. <laughs> Every time that one comes up, it gets bumped up a notch on my must watch list. I have to get around to that. I hear the best things. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really great. All right. Let's get into the meat of it. Now we're going to start with school here. What is something that you learned while studying acting in college that proved to be invaluable when you started to work? But then on the other hand, what is something that all the studying in the world could never have prepared you for when you hit your first set? Uh, one of my favorite things, I had this teacher, um, Findell, and she taught us voice and I did not connect with her. Like for the first week. I was just like, what? I just, I was, I was frustrated. She turned out to be one of my favorite faculty members. And I was one of those people when I'd get a note, I'd just start justifying why I did what I did instead of changing and like taking the note. And she was like, Victoria, cut it. Like, just say, thank you. Implement the note, move on. And that's how I am now. You know, I, I get, get the note. I have the confidence to be like, that doesn't mean what I did was wrong, but I still need to try something new. And so I just say, thank you. And I, and I do it. I mean, unless it's like, unless somebody's like, uh, like deeply offensive or something like that, there's a conversation we had, I guess, but I think it's really valuable to just say thank you and take the note. I feel like that's a valuable note in, in any profession out there. Yeah. A note on taking notes. Um, and then the thing that I could never be taught most of it, <laughs> especially being on a film set. I think there's a huge learning curve when you first start out. And I've been really lucky to work with a lot of crews that are really patient and have an interest in helping me understand the mechanisms of what are going on and have an interest in answering my questions. Yeah. I want to go back to the wonderful companies you've worked with. But first, I want to follow up on something you mentioned last time when it comes to auditions. So you told me that before you booked Hill House, you were, you know, getting close a bunch of auditions before that. So what, what did getting close mean to you? Is it more about getting further in the rounds of the audition process? Or is it more about you feeling confident in what you did in that mm. audition? Yeah, it had everything to do with the valid external validation. <laughs> yeah, uh, it had to do with like getting into meetings with directors and stuff like that. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get into <laughs> Hell House now. So I'm very curious what expectations that working on that set first set for you because I was just covering a uh, midnight mass. So I have a whole bunch of like really positive things about the Flana family on my mind right now. So mm -hmm. What are some things that Trevor and Mike did for you on the Hill House set that you wish you saw on more sets out there? I mean, that entire crew, a huge amount of that crew were people that had worked with Mike Flanagan and Trevor like in the past. 
Um, and I think that that was a really special thing to walk into. There was a real, there was already a rapport, you know, um, uh, Mike really worked a lot to protect the scene work and push for us to have the amount of time we needed to um, capture like the beautiful like work of, you know, Michael Feminari and, um, and, and protect the acting and the, and the scenes. Um, and, and so many people told me on that set, you know, stuff doesn't work like this. You're really being spoiled. And that's true. <laughs> it, I mean, was, it was really an environment that was conducive to real um, creativity. And I'm forever grateful. Fuck, <laughs> fuck. I'm a little emotional lady. No, I'm good. I'm not actually crying, but I definitely got a little choked up there. It's really, it was a really special way to start off my career. I, I very much understand that based on yeah. everything I've heard over the last, what is it, three years now? It, it just seems like a very special group of people to be working with. Yeah, that production in particular. Speaking of that, actually, so... I'm wondering what kind of relationship you had with some of the cast there, because you jump on that set, it's your first big project, and all of a sudden you're surrounded by people who have filmographies a mile long. Uh, Carla yeah. Gugino, Elizabeth Reeser, Timothy Hutton, I can go on and on. Is there anything that you saw any of those, I guess, industry veterans do that you put in your back pocket and wanted to do on your next project? Everything Carla Gugino does. Like, <laughs> she creates a wonderful atmosphere. She really takes on that role of leadership that I think actors don't choose, but are kind of put in. We do, um, what, for better or for worse, control a lot of the tone of the, the set some of the time. Um, if an actor is really difficult or, or, or even stressed or frustrated, like of course those things are normal, but like the ability to um, deal with those things with grace, I think really improves the working environment for everybody. And she's just a beacon of grace. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel like the show is becoming the Carla Gugino appreciation show. The last guest I just had sang her praises and yeah. I get it. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Speaking of that last interview, this is a little random. This question was inspired by the latest My Little Pony movie, and I just really like it, so I <laughs> want to keep asking it. What is an example of something that you refuse to try because of the assumptions that you made about it, like a type of role, a, a prep technique, whatever you could think of, but then you tried it for the first time and it made you say, you know, I was wrong about that, and now I'm glad I did it. I mean, just doing horror. I think I thought it was like uh, like a like not substantial you know and I did a horror show and it was like dealing with a lot of subject matter that's so human and the final product was extremely substantial I think you gave me a perfect segue to this next one I wanted to ask because the last time we were we were talking uh you had mentioned that even with how successful Hill House was it wasn't the type of situation where like the doors blew open and you got all of these opportunities. So I was wondering if that changed after Bly, if the one-two punch of those two shows and how good they both were basically did open those doors despite the, uh, the assumptions many people make about the horror genre. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know um, exactly 
if that happens to people, I mean, like, I think there's like maybe a very, very few people that become so hypey and trendy and hot that like they're getting all of the offers in the world. I'm not that person. I, I have gotten some really great offers to work on things I'm really excited about, but the bl doors blowing open is not my experience or hasn't been. Yeah. Oh, for what it's worth, I think it should be, but I know, I know that it's only, you know, realistic to the tiniest percentage. I think I would find that overwhelming. I think it's, it's hard to believe that like everybody thinks you're perfect for their project. You know what I mean? I think there's, there's something about even being offered something that makes me insecure. I, I like the process of auditioning because it allows me to present an idea that I have about the role and for somebody to be like, oh yes, that's what we're going for. If you're offered something, nobody's gotten to see you try out the character. So I feel like, I think they could have made a large oversight. I think it's a lot, it's a lot scarier for me to take it on knowing that they didn't get to see what I was gonna, what my ideas were with it first. Totally understand that way of looking at it. All right, before we get into you, I have like a big, broad question. So everyone out there knows that I love asking about the value of a good scene partner. So with anything you've worked on in the past, can you think of an example of a time where you were having trouble accessing a certain part of your character, but because of what your scene partner gave you, you were able to reach that? Mm, yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I've, I've felt that so many times. I've really been lucky to work with a lot of really great scene partners. Um, I think I've, be, I've become more confident as time has gone on. I think Hill House was definitely the role I was the most nervous for because there was that component of, well, if I fuck up the first one, who's ever gonna have the thought to hire me again, you know? Um, who's but but then there are moments where people just like save your ass I don't I don't know I think or hunker down yeah me me and Penn this season had to do a scene where we were in inclement weather and and I I, I, I just having a partner in in that was everything you know because everybody else is wearing you know, fishermen looking outfits. So they're, they're not dealing with the, um, the elements in the same way we are. And just being able to like lock into that. Uh, that's a very physical, like, uh, I guess, representation of that. Uh, I mean, Jordan Christie is an amazing scene partner. Oliver Jackson Cohen, you know, those scenes in Hill House with both of them, I think were challenging and I really felt supported in all of that. The breakup scene um, with Penn, like I did not expect it to be as emotional last season, you know, when we're sitting there on the chair and he's beneath her being like, um, I'll call you, call me anytime. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like we were really able to take that scene somewhere. Um, yeah. Oh, it's nice to just think about how grateful I am for all these great I, I feel like I could have started with that question and literally our whole interview could have been you rattling off your co-stars. Oh, like, I would love that. Like an exceptional group of people you've worked with. Yeah. All right, let's get into you season three full force now. Were there any differences between how you prepped to play love in season three versus season two? Or is it just a matter of, you know, continuing what you did before? 
Um, I think it was a continuation. So we certainly, we very much start off where we left off pretty much. I mean, there's been, there's been about nine months. No, less, I guess, kind of. Maybe she looks, she looks maybe like seven months, eight months pregnant when they're moving. I don't know. Um, but very little time has passed. So we kind of start off where we left off, but around episode five, there's a large, a large change. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to wait a minute to get into spoilers, but just to, just to tease some of your co-stars this season, I'll bring back a question that I asked you on Bly. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone in particular, and this is going to be hard because I could think of a million examples myself right now. Is there anyone in particular who took what was on the page and just blew your mind with what they did with it? Just like really surprised you with their own spin on what the material had. Yeah. Yeah. Travis Van Winkle for sure. Um, and Dylan Arnold also, yeah, both really interesting characters that were brought to life in a way that I don't think that I would have conceptualized just reading it. Um, Shalita Grant as well. Um, yeah, pretty much everybody just inhabited and commanded their roles so well, <laughs> um, in ways that I found surprising and exciting to be around. Shalita just like blew my mind by the end. I really oh my God, yeah. could, I, I could not, I can't believe I'm trying so hard not to spoil anything yet, but I couldn't believe just how enthusiastic I became about what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's squeeze in one more non-spoiler question. I'll go with a similar one to uh, where we started. So what about your collaboration with Penn in particular? What's something about the way you two work together that stayed consistent from season two to season three? And then what's something about what the characters are going through this time around that called for something different? I mean, we're just not connecting as much in general as a couple this season. And that was simultaneously existing with Penn having like a three month old baby when we started something like that I don't know exactly how many months old <laughs> his baby was but um so like there we the last season we were able to also a pandemic like before that we were just able to interact more outside of set and talk about it, things more and um just a product of everything we just spent less time together and that that kind of suited how our relationship developed as characters Okay, we're going to do it now. I'm putting up the spoiler warning. Um, this one's not too spoilery, but I want, I want to let you talk freely about this. And I know this might be a little bit of a stretch, but is there anything about playing twins in Hill House that has come in handy playing twins here in you? Yeah, I think, I think just exploring, ex exploring that experience more, certainly. Just going, going deeper into what that is. Of course, there's somewhat different relationships, but then also have a lot of similarities. So yeah, I mean, I think every performance informs the next one. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's here's a like a big theory swing, but I was wondering why do you think that love never kills her mother, especially after what she did to Henry? Is it more of a family allegiance thing or is there any bit of love that feels like she still needs her mom? That is so interesting. Why doesn't love kill her mother? Really more of a question for the writers, but if I had to theorize, <laughs> um, her mother is somebody that she loves to hate. 
her her hate for her mother is part of her identity almost um but as a product of hating her she is also kind of becomes a lot like her and i think she still kind of hopes someday to seek validation from her you know she can do all of these things to destroy and just dis be destructive within their relationship but i think I think ultimately who doesn't want the, their mother's love, you know? I think that is a, that's a very reasonable approach to that. Yeah. All right, here's two specific beats now that I want you to compare. What is, what's going through love's mind and, and what is your approach to the moment when she decides to kill Natalie versus when she hits Theo? Because both are examples of her kind of being impulsive and reactionary, but they also do feel quite different and nuanced so different. I think killing Natalie um, does not feel good. I do not think that she gets pleasure out of um, killing people. I think she gets pleasure out of like hurting Gil probably. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the act of killing Natalie is there's a level of, you know, vengeance to it and like a level of anger and like and and when she goes after Theo that's just desperation she feels she has no other option she's you know devastated that it's come to this she, I think she really sees him as this like beautiful young you know bleeding heart it, it she it reminds her of her brother a bit and also of Joe in ways so so different, so, so different. Absolutely, it comes across extremely clearly. Um, I guess this one is kind of like the million dollar question. Is is love definitely dead? Is she gone for good? <laughs> Again, not a question, a question for the writers, but um, I'm under the impression she's dead. She seems pretty dead. <laughs> she seems pretty dead, but like when I like a character, I wanna find an excuse to bring him back <laughs> for more, I'm greedy. All right, I'm gonna have to wind down with you soon, but let's squeeze in a couple of would you rather questions. They're all filmmaking related, they're very silly. Okay, sweet. Would you rather have to fake sneeze or fake vomit in a scene? Uh, vomit. Okay. I, I'm, I don't know, they just, what? They, they give you, it's like, it's like, it's fine. You're fine. I feel like I'm more, I'm, I'm, I think sneezing, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. You know, I don't think that that was good. I, I, I think that that would be a lot harder for me to do. I just need to take more miming classes. I'm realizing more and more as I'm acting, I keep being expected to mime and I'm like, I'm not good at miming. I need to, I need to go back and train some more. All right. Here, here's a good follow-up to that one. Then would you rather have to fake drive in a scene or fake wake up? Fake wake up. I don't have a license. I don't know how to drive, <laughs> but I have had to do it. And, um, you know, let me know what you think. <laughs> All right. I'll squeeze in one more before they kick me out of here. Would you rather spend a night in Hill House or Bly Manor? Bly Manor. Bly Manor. Lots of nice ghosts. I hang out with the little boy and the, and the, the guy, uh, the, the, um, the tall no the tall man's in hill house the um the uh, <laughs> what is he the plague doctor he was really he was really cool you know he was pretty quiet but he was a nice presence 
<laughs> I've become convinced that that's the right answer. We were busy uh, debating it before, but I think it's just, you have to pick Bly. Hill House, you're just, you're gonna die. Bly Manor, like, you can be like, okay, I know the lady of the lake is here. I just got to stay out of her way and enjoy some tea and crumpets. Makes sense to me. I can pick her <laughs> now. I have to let you go. Huge congratulations on you yet again and your whole filmography. I'm counting down until the next time we get to talk. Thanks, Perry. I'm looking forward to it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.